Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll-Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Welcome to the first episode of the Puberty Podcast. Why does this even matter? So every single person listening to this podcast has either gone through puberty or will go through puberty because it's a stage of life that's experienced by every human body. And it's more than that, it's really a universal rite of passage. It brings with it a complete roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts. And as a result, we end up with a rainbow of stories for kids and parents alike. All of us have lived it, those of us who are adults, but many of us are at a loss for how to best support the kids we love who are now slogging through their own messy, complicated journeys. That's why we created the Puberty Podcast. It's like a verbal, our bodies, ourselves. All right, Cara, how did you get here? Let's talk about that. Okay, so I'm a pediatrician. And shortly after I started out, I completely stumbled into the world of writing. It was um, sort of a side gig for me. And I was just writing some parenting books and passing along the information that I collected and giving it to parents. But, you know, I was the kind of writer who wrote a book and never told anyone about it. And these books would just (laughs) sit on the shelf. It was really not a successful writing strategy. And then I had kids and I transitioned from 
clinical medicine with writing on the side to becoming a full-time writer with a little bit of clinical on the side. I did a a flip-flop and I fell into the biggest opportunity of my life, which was to be part of the book series, The Care and Keeping of You. The Care and Keeping of You was already a cult classic book when I first started out as a pediatrician. It was a couple of years old and my very first day in the practice, my partners literally said to me, three things you need to know that they never taught you in training. One is how to treat lice. (laughs) The next was how to treat pink eye. And the third was about the book called The Care and Keeping of You. Like literally those were the three things. That's amazing. Um, And I got very lucky and I fell into rewriting the first book and then blowing out the whole series. And as this is happening, my own kids are going through puberty. Right. And so then, of course, I went, well, I can write and speak till the cows come home, but it'd be really great to make them some stuff to make the process easier. By the way, your mother teaching and writing about puberty when you're going through it, not necessarily a life goal for most tweens and teens. So my kids had a What do you mean? It makes you so cool. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll bring them in studio sometime to ask them that question. (laughs) But I, I started this company to create product. And along the way, I met you, um, who's like my soul sister. We're both thirds of four. I I, love thirds of four kids. We're very resilient, scrappy people. I have three brothers. Um, You have two brothers, but you know, so, so we have the brother thing in common. We're both very funny, just ask us. Um, (laughs) And we've both come at this topic sort of almost accidentally. So that's how I ended here. I was supposed to be a doctor in an office and now I'm, you know, talking about puberty on a podcast. How did you get here? So I always say I would have been a great doctor if I didn't have to go to medical school. (laughs) Unfortunately, there's that little part in the middle. So I started Dynamo Girl. That was originally a company geared towards using sports to build girl self-esteem. But it quickly became clear that if we wanted to build girl self-esteem, we had to teach them about their bodies and how their bodies change. And even, maybe even more importantly, we needed to tell the adults that love them how to support them and teach them about their bodies and understand how to talk to them about puberty. So with my colleagues, we started running puberty workshops for hundreds of families in New York and LA after coaching thousands of girls age five and up. And while I was building these workshops, I was also parenting four kids into and through puberty. And when you and I first connected a few years ago, we wanted to figure out a way to collaborate. And the first piece of advice you ever gave me is so important. And it was like the most valuable piece of advice anyone ever gave me about puberty. And you said... First, you said, do you mind if I give you? I said, can you give me your best piece of advice about puberty? And you said, yeah, are you open to hearing this? Which is a great lesson in I talking to someone else. I probably said that because my teenager or preteen at that point said to me something like, I'm not interested in hearing what you have to say, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what I, I said. I was interested. And you said, the important thing to know about teaching people about puberty is that there will always be someone in the room for whom it is too much. And there will always be someone in the room for whom it is too little. And you have to get used to living in that space, knowing that you are never going to reach every single person in the way they want to be reached. And that has become my touchstone when we work with kids and families and talking about puberty, that I'm, 
I've got to find a good spot and a good place to land, but it's never going to be the perfect spot because this is such a complicated and sometimes difficult topic to talk about. Well, and, and you know, this format that we're in, right? You and I are in a room on our own, but really there's this much bigger virtual room. Right. And there are all these sets of ears listening and knowing our listeners and who you are and where you come from and what your experiences are and your biases are really helps us meet you where you are. There's science, there's fact. We'll share that Mm -hmm. in this podcast. Yeah, for sure. But there's also then delivering the science and the facts in a way that is relevant and resonant. And that makes a big difference. Uh, The example I always use, and I probably used this with you on that very first call, is when I talk about nutrition with the youngest kids, right? There is always someone in the room who feels too skinny. Mm-hmm. There is always someone in the room who feels too heavy. How do you talk about healthy nutrition when these kids have all these different feelings that they're sitting with and all these different body types? And that's, for me, that's the example I always use in the back of my head, is there's a way to communicate accurate and good information that is kind and inclusive of everyone sitting in that room. Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're trying to do two things right now. We're trying to do the what of puberty, right? The the information, the science, the facts, and we're also trying to do the how. How do we reach different kinds of kids and different kinds of families? And how do we communicate information in different ways so it can best be heard and learned and understood? I want to start with a perfect illustration of that. This weekend, I was sitting at the breakfast table with my 10-year-old slowly waking up with my coffee. He was, I think, you know, shoveling cereal into his mouth. And he, I was probably on my phone, which is, you know, a topic for another time. And he turned to me, put down a spoon and he looked at me and he was like, mom, do you shave the hair from your vagina? And my first (laughs) instinct was to like spit my coffee across the table. I was completely unprepared for that question at 630 in the morning. And also, frankly, not entirely prepared to have it come from my 10-year-old son. But then I took a deep breath, which is the most important thing in any aspect of anything we're ever going to do as parents. I took a deep breath and I felt super grateful that my kid asked me that question. And I was grateful for two reasons. One, that my son felt comfortable using the word vagina. I chose not to say to him, actually, sweetie, the hair's on my vulva, because I felt like I needed to just like really celebrate that he was going to ask me that question. So one, I felt super grateful about that. And two, I felt grateful that he came to me with curiosity and openness and willing to begin a conversation and that he saw me as a trusted place to ask that question. And I think that this podcast, this conversation, this why does it matter is about creating a space where the kids we love can come to us with questions, with curiosity, and the kids who aren't going to come to us, and there will be many of them, just know that we are a safe space to have the conversation. It may mean that we're going to initiate it. It may mean that we're going to start by mentioning things or bringing things up. Um, But the goal is really that it's an ongoing conversation between adults and kids, and it continues to deepen and get more and more complex as they get older. Okay, so I'm just going to say to the people who are listening who think, 
that is not how calm, cool, and collected I would be <laughs> at the breakfast table if that's a question asked of me. We're going to give you lots of tools for how to manage questions that you're not sure about how to answer. And I'm just going to start with one right now. So if you're not Vanessa and that question is being asked <laughs> at whatever dark 30 o'clock. Um, and you do spit your coffee across the table. And if you do spit your coffee across the table, one amazing answer that works every time is that is such an interesting question what made you think of it? Mm-hmm. Because that, that question does two things. First of all, it buys you time. Correct. So if you're not ready, then you've got time. The other thing that question does is it actually helps you frame where your kid is coming from. Right. Um, it may be that he just saw something um, on his phone or on digital media or on TV. It may be that he heard a story. It may be that, you know, some idea like lightning struck him out of the blue. Um, But if he contextualizes the question for you, then you can contextualize your answer. Because so much about talking about puberty has to do with not knowing where they are and either undereducating or overeducating them. And it's really helpful to gauge where they are. Right. So you talk about two things. One is buying yourself time, right? If you don't feel comfortable answering a question right away, buy yourself time. There's no rule that says you have to immediately answer a question in that moment. You can take a deep breath. You can ask them a question back. You can even tell them, I'm not sure. Or that's a great question. I'm going to get back to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then number two is you find out where they are. We need to meet our kids where they are, not where we think they are, not where we expect they are, but where they actually are. And the only way to find out where they are is to ask them where they heard it, where they got the information, and not in a, where did you hear that? Where did you find out about people shaving their vaginas? But rather, (laughs) hey, I'm super chill. I'm really calm. I'm non-confrontational. Where'd you hear that? Oh, I'm wondering, how did that come up? And so those are two, I think, like guiding principles, basically with anything we're going to talk about going forward is take your time, take a breath, number one, and number two, find out where your kid is coming from. And number three, laugh, because sometimes it's just funny. (laughs) (laughs) It really is just funny. And if you laugh with your kid, they will tell you so much more. A hundred percent. I don't know if I laughed. I'll have to ask him. So I want to start with a working definition for puberty. And I'm going to share with you what we use in our puberty workshops But this is a non-medical, kid-friendly, accessible definition. I want you to then give us the the science, the scientific definition. So at the beginning of a Dynamo Girl puberty workshop, or maybe in conversation with parents, we would say something like, puberty is a time when your body grows very quickly and goes from being a kid to a teen to an adult body. That's a way for kids to kind of get it without feeling intimidating or overwhelmed. But can you give us your working definition of puberty? Yeah. And that's a really nice broad strokes definition. The actual definition of puberty is it's the path to reproductive maturity. So what that means is if a child is born with a uterus and fallopian tubes and ovaries, that that child will need to develop those organs so that they become reproductively mature and can one day host a fetus 
that grows into a baby. If your child is born with testicles and a penis, ditto, those organs should be, need to be reproductively matured so that sperm can be produced and can one day fertilize an egg that can become a fetus and then a baby. So that's it, that path to reproductive maturity. The social definition of puberty is much broader right, than that. Right, right. So the social definition of puberty is kind of everything that happens between the tween and teen years. So it's hair sprouting up all over the place, right? Which actually in medical terminology is something called adrenarchy. When you get pubic hair and underarm hair, that's controlled not by the hormones that control actual maturation of the reproductive organs, it's controlled by a whole other set of hormones. So that's called adrenarchy. The bigger social world considers emotional maturation. I'm putting maturation in air quotes because right. it's like emotional roller coastering, and then eventual maturation is part of puberty. Social shifts, right? Friend shifts, risk taking, all those things get lumped under the same umbrella. But the real word for that, that whole constellation of things that are happening is actually adolescence. So we use the word adolescent to mean teenager, but actually most social scientists will say adolescence is the period that encompasses both puberty and then social and emotional growth and adrenarchy, so hair everywhere. And we're, I mean, we're going to use... For the purposes, I mean, the Puberty Podcast, because it's an alliteration, is just a deeply satisfying name for oh, a yeah, podcast. Oh, yeah. We were just going with the, 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 the PP. Right. Yeah, totally. Right. But <laughs> the reality is this is actually going to cover adolescence. It's not just going to cover reproductive maturation. It's going to cover all of the layers that go on top of that. Yes. As they would say in improv, yes. And. and. <laughs> yes. And the hormones that are in charge of making you reproductively mature and the most famous ones are estrogen and progesterone in females and testosterone in males, uh, although we'll get into how all those different hormones and other uh, minor actors work in other episodes. But those hormones, they don't just circulate in one corner of your body. They circulate through the whole thing, including around your brain. So they actually impact a lot of these features of adolescence. Right. And that's why I think it's fair. It's not exactly accurate, but it's fair to think about puberty as all these things. Because a brain on testosterone is not the same thing as a brain not on testosterone. And so there we have it. And sex wasn't on your list. And I want to lean into that because when we run puberty workshops, people assume that we're going to talk about sex. And one of the first things we say is actually, you know, with your eight and nine-year-old daughters or sons, we're, we're not going to talk about sex. We're going to teach them about the anatomical and physiological changes and the emotional changes. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. 
Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So talking about puberty is different than talking about sex. Talk to us about why, and don't worry, we are going to end up talking about sex. But let's, I want to, I want to make the distinction between those two things. Oh, yeah. We're absolutely going to go there because, of course, the whole goal of puberty, you know, you think of the evolutionary goal of puberty is to ladder up to sex and reproduction, right? right? So, 
um, it's all really intertwined. But when we were growing up, it was called sex ed. And it was literally the class was a one-off class where you learned how the negative consequences of your sexual behavior really was the class, right? And a condom on a banana. Exactly. It was STDs, pregnancy, and a condom on a banana. So that was the whole class. Um, Now we've really, the pendulum has swung entirely the other direction. We talk about all this other stuff and sex and sexual activity, but understanding sort of the basics of what's going to happen to your body, what's going to happen to your brain, how do you care for yourself, how do you not smell, how do you, how are you a nice friend? Like all these things eventually ladder up to sex in some way. Right. You know, I do talk about, when I teach in the classroom, I talk about sex um, at a relatively young age because internet, right, there's so much content about sex and sexuality, particularly on the pornography sites. And so I feel like good education about healthy sexual relationships at a young age is very, very important. I will say, I usually like to make sure kids have a basic knowledge of sex by the time they're about 12. So I taught that class at my kid's school. I taught the sort of whole, I called it growth ed. I thought that was a really great euphemism. Oh it's not mortifying <laughs> at all that you taught sex ed at your, sorry, growth ed. You were they, trying to avoid mortifying them, it, but you still mortified them. They called them. it gross ed, just so you know. <laughs> oh. Okay. And I, I really, my daughter was under the desk. I, I was don't blame her. Under the desk. I don't blame her especially during the sex ed unit, which by the way, it wasn't the sex ed part. She knew all that. We talk about it in our house all the right. time. It was the concept of me talking publicly. The irony being everyone else thought it was really cool that I was comfortable talking about that subject. So um, this is another good sort of parenting pearl about talking about all this stuff around puberty is um, you can't win. Right. You're you're really cool by someone else's kid standards, but your own kid will be somewhat horrified by many, many things you do. And anytime you think you're horrifying your child, you can just say, oh my God, I heard this doctor on a podcast who described teaching sex ed to her daughter's sixth grade class while her daughter was in the back corner under the desk. And um, then you might feel better about your own parenting challenges. I saw, I saw one of my son's friends and launched into a conversation that he was really hoping I wasn't going to have with his friend. And my son started kicking me. <laughs> Not hard, but like that was the only way he could get me to shut up without being rude, which I appreciated. I just got like a little tap to the shin. Um, unfortunately, he's like 6'3", so it was not that little of a tap. I mean, the other thing that's worth talking about when you differentiate between puberty and sex is that girls are developing up to two years earlier. And so you mm-hmm. have, you know, eight and nine and 10-year-old girls with breasts and pubic hair that look like in our culture's definition of what a female looks like who could be, you know, ready to be sexually involved with someone, but she's still an eight, nine, 10-year-old. She's a baby. Yeah. I I mean, we will get deep into this in other episodes because the, the onset of puberty is much earlier. It's earlier for girls. It's earlier for boys. Um, It's much more visible for girls because one of the, actually the two earliest signs of puberty in girls are moodiness, which I find very visible, Mm -hmm. and breast development. And so, you know, between curves and outbursts, 
it's pretty obvious when a girl is starting to enter puberty. Boys, their early puberty is not so visible. And so the playing field is really not level during this very young introductory time when you're trying to sort of get basic concepts across. And that can be confusing for parents. It can also be confusing for the teachers who are not so into teaching this class in school who have been roped into it because they're somewhat under the assumption that because there's no physical maturity in the boy group that the boys don't need what the girls need. And um, I I don't agree with that. I think we undereducate our boys. We under talk to our boys. Uh, I think that becomes a real liability for our boys. I think... Puberty in and of itself, while the parts may be different, for the most part, is really not a gendered thing at all. Puberty is a transformational process that lasts so many years, and every kid is going to go through it and go through it in their own way and their own order and with their own, you know, sort of weights on their shoulders and challenges to overcome. And so, yeah, okay, maybe 20% of the teaching has to do with what your organs are. 80% is about that transformation and the feeling of being in a transforming body. Yeah. And I think also empathy, right? Like it's about empathy for girls who have swinging emotions that they don't understand and can't control. Empathy for the adults who are raising them or caring for them because the adults, myself included, are at a loss for how to kind of kindly navigate that. And empathy for boys who society kind of writes off as not struggling with puberty, but they do as well. I mean, I was teaching a puberty workshop this past weekend and I had this nine-year-old girl who made a comment about how people don't understand that boys struggle with it too. And I was so blown away that this kid understood in a way that many, many people don't, that it's hard for boys too. It's complicated for boys too. Right. And to your point about all of this starting earlier, you know, it was hard enough a generation ago to go through this process, whether you're a girl or a boy. Now the duration of puberty is close to twice as long. The earliest onset of puberty happens much younger than it used to. And it's like taffy. It just stretches itself. So it's not just sort of having empathy, but it's having longevity too for that endurance. empathy, right? It's Patient endurance. And endurance. And it's it's exhausting to be in it. It's exhausting to support kids through it. But that is our job. And and then, of course, one other topic that we're going to get deep into um, in the future is, you know, sort of where you are along the developmental timeline, because right. there are kids who start early and there are kids who start late and there are kids who start in the middle. My college roommate was a super early developer and I was a very late bloomer. And we always used to have these conversations in t- in college about, you know, our fantasy about writing a book called it sucks being an early bloomer. It sucks being a late bloomer. And it sucks being right in between. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I knew what I was going to do for a living when I was in college. Can you, just for our listeners, can you give us the the time frame, the age of onset, the duration? Because I think it's really important. A lot of people feel like, oh, well, it's just like it was when we went through puberty. And the reality is it's not. It's not. Um, And I will give you that with the giant asterisk yep. that my friend Louise Greenspan, who's a wonderful endocrinologist that writes lots of books and articles about the onset of puberty, um, Louise says with three exclamation points, 
Adrenarchy is not puberty, Mm -hmm. meaning if your child has pubic hair or underarm hair, even though it looks like they're in puberty, they are not necessarily in puberty. So for the parents of kids who are a little bit hairy, that's a bit of a red herring that um, that that's puberty. It's right. hard sometimes to gauge. And and so for- What about body odor? Well, body odor is controlled by a lot of the same hormones as adrenarchy. So it's really mood shifts and curves for girls mm-hmm. are the two big early curves signs. Curves meaning breast, breast, buds, breast buds, widening of the hips. Widening of the hips um, comes later, but it's that- you get sort of that mid-belly um, sort of pooch of the tween girl. Mm-hmm. They sort of, not all of them, but many of them grow out before they grow up. Right. So those are the earliest signs for most girls. And for boys, it's just testicular growth. Testicular growth can be the first sign of puberty for up to a year or two before you see anything else. And most boys, by the time their testicles start growing, are really not into you seeing their testicles. Mm -hmm. So they will cover up. They will hide when they change. They will not let you in the bathroom. Don't feel as a parent that you need to examine your child's testicles in order to assess where uh, he is in puberty. You don't. I, even I didn't. I was dying to, but even I didn't. (laughs) So um, the average age for girls to enter puberty in this country now is somewhere between eight and nine-ish. And depending upon your ethnicity, black girls can be as young as seven and it can be considered normal. Latinx girls can be as young as seven and a half. It can be considered normal. But it's also very normal to not have any externalizing signs of puberty until you are 12, 13. So there's this huge range, right? I mean, it's enormous. And for boys, it's between nine and 10-ish, 10 and a half for the average start. But again, black boys tend to start a little bit younger, not all. And so maybe between eight and nine as we're starting to study those populations. And of course, there's no data for mixed race populations. There's very little data for Asian populations. So we're looking at very narrow groups, which is not really representative of where and the country's also, at. No one really knows. Even Louise Greenspan will offer theories about why that is, but no one really knows yeah. why the age has shifted younger and why different populations begin puberty earlier. Right. I want to get back to boys and testicular growth. In your experience as a pediatrician, do you find that boys are aware? that their testicles are growing? Like girls, it's like, oh, I have breast buds. They hurt, they're sore, they poke out of my shirt. Are boys aware of it? That's a really hard question to answer when it's the exact same age at which boys go completely silent. (laughs) So um, if I had an incredible ESP type relationship with boys, I think I would be able to answer it. I know. (laughs) That's it, I'm leaving. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I, I, I don't know. I can say that the boys that I have talked to about this and I have spoken with many, Mm -hmm. no, they are not until their testicles hit a certain size. They are very unaware of subtle changes, Mm -hmm. but then they're very aware of all the change because once their testicles hit a certain size, then they also get penile growth. And then they also, you start seeing their muscle mass starts increasing a little bit. Their voice starts changing. I mean, all these sort of masculinizing traits 
start to appear. So they're not aware even though their hands are down there like 90% of the time? No, but but maybe they are aware and it's just a big charade for, you know, for us like. Or is it like you when know. you see someone every day, you're not aware that they're growing? It's the same thing. If your hand is down there every day, you know, that's then a you're really not. good way of looking at it. It's just sort of a bonus, right? I thought you were going to say something else. So there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that too. Um, and we will we will do an episode about early bloomers and kind of more of the data and more of the background and more of the theories. So we will get back to that. But this is really about kind of laying the landscape for our listeners. And starting the conversation about starting the conversation. Because at the end of the day, the most important tool in your toolbox of parenting is to talk to your kid. And I hate the term parenting expert. Personally, I run very far away from it because I just don't think anyone can be expert at understanding exactly what happens in a relationship between two very unique people. Mm. I think, though, what you and I are are people who are around a lot of kids and parents and who can amass all of the stories and all of the articles we read and all of the data that we know, and we can sort of... Uh, mash it all up and give our best advice. Uh, That being said, when a given parent says to me, how do I start the conversation with my kid? How do I talk to him or her about blah? Often the very first answer is, well, it kind of depends upon you and it kind of depends upon your kid. Are you a talker? Is he or she a talker? Right. 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 How? So if there's nothing that else that you get from this podcast, I hope you get sort of a sense that there's no one right way, but there is going to be a best way for you and your kid. And it takes a lot of practice and you're going to do it over and over again. And some of the times you're really going to fail at communicating with your kid and that's fine. The next time you go, that was a fail and just try it again. That's my hope. What's What's your hope? I want to build on that because I think particularly when parenting or guiding kids through puberty, it's not if you mess up, it's when you mess up, right? Fallibility is the only sure thing when talking to kids about puberty. And I think if we enter into the conversation with the kids we raise, with the kids we teach, with the kids we educate, then it takes the pressure off. So I think number one is that we are going to mess up and in which case we are allowed to take a do-over. And anyone who spends time with kids, knows how much they love it when we admit that we've screwed up. And taking a do-over sounds like, hey, you know, when I was talking to you about your testicles, I actually really messed up and I want to <laughs> I want to take a do-over. And I will put $100 on the fact that your kid will give you the biggest smile they've given you all day when you take a do-over because it makes them feel good. It shows that you're fallible and it just like loosens up the conversation. So I do think, and you said something important earlier, it's not a conversation, right? The talk, the concept of the talk needs to be like thrown in the garbage and put in the landfill somewhere in a barge off of the Hudson River because it is many, many talks over many, many years about many different topics. And I think that's another thing that takes the pressure off. It's not just one single talk. I also want to acknowledge that we are coming out of a pandemic, and I think it's important to recognize what our kids have and haven't gotten 
around puberty and understanding adolescence in the context of a pandemic. So like, can you just, as a, someone who has gone into schools and works with schools, what, what have they missed out on this year? Seeing everyone else go through painful moments. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the biggest, you know, you live in New York, your kids, um, you live outside of the city, your kids have been in school much mm-hmm. of the year. I live in Los Angeles where my kids were out of school for 14 and a half months and have just gone back. When my kids stepped foot back onto campus, my high school junior said, I said, did anyone have, (laughs) so my kids use this term, a glow up. Have you heard about the glow up? A glow up, like when you grow up and suddenly blossom into this really good looking kid, um, which apparently happens to everyone. I want to glow up. Yes. Is it too late? It's it's later for me. Um, So my daughter said, you know, no, no big glow ups because everyone had already had those, just some people taller for my son. There was a, he's in ninth grade, there was a radical shift in so many kids. You know, there were the kids who had growth spurts, there were kids who came back with a face full of acne, there were the kids who, you know, did not change, who were still lagging and, you know, really wanted, I think, to have gone through that transformation. There were the heavier kids, there were the lighter kids. I mean, it... Can you imagine? Think about your first day of school when you haven't seen someone for three months over the summer. Now go 14 and a half months without seeing someone who's in the thick of puberty. I think many kids who had that experience, their puberty shifts, which are generally not kind when you're in the middle of them, right? Acne and all that. Their pubertal shifts felt very lonely. Yeah, it felt like it was only them yeah. because they didn't see it on anyone else. Zoom filters took away everyone else's zits. Right. Right. But you can still see yourself in the mirror. Totally. Someone needs to make a movie about like, instead of the high school back from summer, they need to make a movie about the like back from pandemic <laughs> transformation. It sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> Either a horror movie or like, if what if everyone had a glow up? Yeah, I mean, I then it wouldn't be a particularly interesting movie because the there'd be no angst. Movie. I know. Be, I think be, we could use some happy movies. That'd be great. Yeah, movie. I mean, my son was talking about someone recently, and he was like, "Oh, mom, he hit puberty so hard in quarantine." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah," but on the flip side, for a lot of kids, it was actually really comfortable and comforting to hit puberty during the pandemic. For sure. I mean, yes. On the one hand, you you didn't recognize that everyone else had these hiccups and hurdles. But on the other hand, you were having your hiccups and hurdles alone, right? If you smelled really bad, you smelled really bad in your own bedroom and no one was around to notice. So those those types of, of things, you know, you, you can find a silver lining to every story. I do worry a little bit, at all kidding aside, that the hygiene piece is, is problematic because um, especially raising a boy... It's very surprising how good they think they smell. Mm. I mean, like, it's really amazing that the more they smell, the more they live in their smell. And they really are sure. It's like there's something in my son's... Self-reinforcing. Oh, my God. My my son's brain is like, I can emit all of these odors. And it's amazing. And the social reinforcers teach him, no, 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 that's not amazing. (laughs) Um, That's not cool at all. He did not have any of the social reinforcers for 14 months except for me. And then that makes me the police. Um, And so that's a tricky place for parenting through puberty when you're trying to give your kids feedback 
feedback in order to make something socially acceptable. Right. Like, hey, if you don't take a shower and use soap, you're going to smell. And 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 that's a charged conversation to begin with. When there's no one else other than you who cares about their smell, that's a much trickier Right. I mean, that's a question we get all the time from parents is, I, I need to address my child's hygiene. Like they think running under a shower for five seconds with no soap in sight is okay. Or I'm concerned my kid's not using deodorant and I'm concerned they're going to get bullied at school or made fun of because they have body odor. On the other hand, you kind of don't, you got to pick your battles, right? And so, I mean, one of the things that I've worked with families about is kind of figuring out that gentle way to raise it without humiliating your kid, shaming your kid, making them feel like crap. All of which we will do and all of which require do-over. So to your do-over point, I mean, I'll tell you my big mom fail over Pam, many, but one big mom fail over Pam. There were so many opportunities. Um, So many stories. My son did have his acne, crop of acne appear right in the middle of pandemic. And I mean, I I understood based upon the numbers and the surge and this, that, and the other, he was going to be out of school for many more weeks to come. Mm-hmm. And like a complete idiot, I looked at him and said, this is great because you're at home and you can't see any of your friends. And when you do go out on the street, you wear a mask. And so this is the perfect time to have your face totally broken out. And he just looked at me like, you idiot. And as the words are coming out of my right. mouth... You you know, when you have that experience where the words are coming, you want to pull them back and then you cannot stop yourself and they keep coming. Um, That happens every day. Every day. So um, good example of the do-over. So I want you to talk specifically about how crappy that was that you said that, right? Because like someone might say, oh, well, that's like super positive and you're being really upbeat and you're like not freaking out and all of that. So what about that? was kind of a shitty thing to do or say to your kid. Like, what would you have done differently? Could right. you take the do-over? Right. Well, I I am a believer, given who I am and who my kids are, I am a believer that if I say things honestly and bluntly, that that works for them and it works for me. Yeah. But there's a kind way and a less kind way. And I think for whatever reason, the way that I put it out felt not kind. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, you know, hey, let's talk about what cleansers you can use and what other treatments you might be able to use to help your acne if you're interested, mm-hmm. right? Or even the the softer touch, which is, hey, I, I noticed some skin changes. Did, did you notice them? And if so, do you want to do anything about them? Like that would have been the really kind, gentle touch yeah. kind of way. Yeah. And instead I just went for it. I was like, uh, he sees it, I see it. Duh. So let me leapfrog 12 steps yeah. and get right to the heart of it and tell him, that none of his friends will judge him or mock him or, you know, whatever the, whatever the verb is that you want to put in that sentence, um, which, by the way, was a huge screw up because then now I've placed judgment yeah, on the, yeah. the situation, right? Um, because maybe none of his friends would have done that. Maybe all of his friends were going through the same thing and everyone's very empathic, right? So I jumped there and then I jumped to my set of solutions and my set of solutions at my age and his set of solutions at his age are actually sometimes really different. Mm-hmm. And even though I do this for a living and I think I know what the right answer is, kids have to have a process. They have to go through certain steps. They have to fail certain pieces or 
prove us wrong and try step one and hey, they're done and it's over. So that was my screw up is I did not allow the process to unfold and I was not super kind in the way. I just went for it. I was So blunt. would it have sounded something like, hey, I'm noticing some skin changes, as you said, I'm wondering if you're noticing them too. And I'm kind of wondering how you're feeling about them. Like that would have maybe been, he doesn't give a shit or maybe that, he right. deeply cares. Or maybe he would have looked at me and gone, no, duh. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. But yes, that would have been a great way to do it. And I didn't. And your kid who, right, like some of us have kids who they've got acne or they've got body odor and they're going to come to us and be like, hey, mom, or, hey, dad, I think I need new face wash. It's not working. My skin's breaking out. Can we deal with that? Or, right. hey, I've got super bad BO and like, let's get on this, right? Right. And some people have sons, especially the daughters too, who just say, hey, <laughs> or not all, e- or not even hey correct. it's and just like you uh, just like a just like a grunt and so you know i mean not to get off the subject of my screw up with my son's acne but um i know you're trying I you know, know you. i'm really working to get off that subject <laughs> but um you know it does loop back to the concept of why why have conversations with your kids in the first place especially if you have a quiet kid especially if you have a kid who's going through a period where they just really want to be monosyllabic and not really engage, or they're not bringing it up with you. And I personally feel, and I think you and I are very much on the same page, that there is nothing better than showing your kids that conversation is safe with you, right? right? It's a show-don't-tell situation. So if you're trying to engage them every single day in different conversations about their body, their emotional wellness, their friends, their life. If you put down your phone, you look them in the eye and you're interested and engaged, you are showing them that you care. So when the big things happen, then they will come to you. In fact, my son said to me the other night, he said, why do you need, we're talking about parties and going to parties and drinking. And he said, why do we need to be having this conversation when you know I know all of the answers to all of your questions? And it was such an interesting, you know, it was the most syllables he has put together in a really long time. And I said to him, because if we can't talk about the easy, low-hanging fruit, then how are you going to be able to come to me about the more complicated stuff? So we're just talking about all the stuff that you and I both know, so that really, so that you know, know in your soul that I am around when the harder things come up. And it was so funny because he looked at me and he he went, oh, okay, great. Sounds cool. Got it. Yeah, got it. Now, you and I both grew up in homes where we talked about a lot of stuff, right? We talked about puberty stuff and sex stuff. and More in your home. Yeah, I mean, my home is kind of iconically (laughs) open. Thank you, Mom. However... For people who didn't grow up in households that were anywhere near where I was or even where you were, where these conversations were not happening, um, where puberty wasn't addressed, where sexuality wasn't addressed, where, you know, any of these things were addressed, those folks are learning on their feet as they go, building their own models for themselves and their families. And I think it's really important that not only do we see that kids are starting from different places, not just physically, but emotionally, but that all adults have their own starting points. And so when you and I have conversations about 
you can say this or you can say that, you can try this or you can try that. It's all with the recognition that we are all starting from separate places. And some of us may be starting with two feet in the pool and some of us may be starting 10 feet away from the side of the pool. And I think fathers in particular, not to to gender a subject I don't think needs to be gendered, but you know, fathers who were raised in the 60s, 70s, 80s, many of them will talk to me about there was no conversation right. with them. Girls got a little bit more. Boys really got very little at that time. And what they will say to me is, I didn't have any conversation about any of this stuff. And frankly, I turned out fine. I have a deep emotional life. I'm totally adjusted. I have a nice relationship with people. I can talk about these things now. Why push it? Mm-hmm. What's the point? In fact, my own husband, when I was writing Decoding Boys, that was his biggest question is, who cares? You know, why I, and he really Thanks, did. honey. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the support. Um, but he he is, he's a very loving and, and sort of solid and emotionally solid guy who was silent for three or four years. And he kept saying, I, I don't know why you want to push this. And my my answer to him, and I think sort of a common ground you and I share is, this is not the 70s. This is not the 80s. This is the 2020s. The internet is raising our children too. Social media is raising our children too. There are so many sources of information that if you don't establish yourself as an accessible one, there are lots of other choices. And so it's important to compete with TikTok and it's important to compete with the the, the peer influence world sure. and just sort of establish that you to have a voice in their life. And also, how different could those three, four, five years have been had you had someone you could trust, an adult you could go to, you could talk to when you wondered, is this normal? Is this not normal? Is this safe? Is this not safe? I'm hurting, but I don't feel permission to talk about it. I mean, I think, yes, I hear from a lot of people who are like, I turned out fine. It was okay. Yes, but like what could have been different had That's you right. been able to had you been able to talk about it? I love that. So we're gonna wrap up every episode with, because we love alliterations, something called getting practical about puberty. And that's kind of a really tangible takeaway from every episode so that people can leave the episode and say, okay, this is what I'm gonna put into practice this week or this month. Because you and I always hear from people, yes, 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 I understand the what, but give me the how. Tell me what to say. Tell me what to do. Give me the language. And so we want to meet everyone there and just give some practical information about puberty. So in the future episodes, we're going to talk about starting the conversation. What do the conversations sound like on different topics? What is the getting practical about puberty for today in terms of thinking about why this matters and how do we start to implement some of these conversations in our own homes. Do you want to start? Do you want to answer that one first? Normally, I always like to answer first, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm going to let you answer first. I was always like the kid in the class who was like, oh, 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 oh. Um, Somehow, I think maybe you were too. I don't know why you would say that. (laughs) (laughs) But I want... I want you to start. If someone said to you, standing on one foot, why does this matter? Give me one piece of practical guidance. What would you say? I would say that 
the most important thing that we do as parents, our job as parents, and if you're not a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a primary caretaker, if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, your your job in a child's life is to keep that child safe and healthy. And this has been a mantra of mine since I started out many, many years ago in the field of pediatrics. That's our only job. I do believe that the only way to keep kids safe and healthy through puberty and adolescence is to talk to them, Mm -hmm. to educate them, to inform them, to give them a safe space. So if your number one job is keep them safe and healthy, and the number one tool is to talk to them constantly, uh, it's sort of, um, it gets really simple. That's my two cents. And I would add to that by saying when we talk and also hopefully listen to them talk about puberty, if we're lucky to be in conversation and dialogue and not just have it be a one-way street, that we need to take our do-overs, that we need to accept we're going to make mistakes. We need to name that we've made mistakes and we need to circle back about those mistakes. And that I think models two things. One it ultimately gets the kids the accurate information that they need, right? Going back to keeping them healthy and safe. And two, it models for them that making mistakes in life is okay and it's acceptable because the biggest thing they will do in their adolescence is make mistakes. And if we make our homes and our schools places where it's okay for kids to mess up, they will feel safer and healthier and happier. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.